Welcome to Critical Ditto, the Pokemon role-playing podcast made by us and listened to by you. That's that's smooth. I like that. I'm going to keep that for all of this week. I uh, think you've said that Stuart. every single time for the last five Ooh. times. No, well, listen back and you'll find that they are all subtly different. And it's almost, it's almost <laughs> a collector's item, Tom. It's like getting a pog in a packet of Doritos and putting them in your collection binder. That's one for the kids. <laughs> Speaking of 90s nostalgia, I'm Stuart, the Diablo yo-yo, spinning, spinning many plates and yo-yos up in the air, trying to keep this game running. And to my left is Ali Hill. Thank you very much, Stu. I'm currently a Tamagotchi surrounded by my own filth. <laughs> uh, appropriate because I'm playing the role of Kenny Mullet, who doesn't shower very often, but he's also a very empathetic yet haunted young man on a quest to find out more about his weird poker powers. On Kenny's team, he has a Dartrix called Bowtie, a Gyarados called Moustache, a Honchkrow called Fedora, a Salandit called Hoops, a Spiritune called Swirly, and a Joltic called Fleek. And I'm going to shoot the camera over to Monsieur David Libisley. Hello, it is I, the Neopets paintbrush that is David, colouring your entire world rainbow, even if you didn't ask for it, because you spent 3,000 Neo <laughs> points on me after winning the caption contest. <laughs> <laughs> I am Whoa. playing the significantly dour Neopets paintbrush that is Theo, a sarcastic, excommunicated member of the Church of Sloking and or Slaslo, depending on the episode and or intro. That's your collector's item for this week. <laughs> uh, and on Theo's team are a Medicham, a Kabuto, a Swadloon, a Togekiss, a Barbarical, and a Combi. Will David at some point ever learn to say Barbarical without trying to say Brobarical? That's a question for the ages. And I now turn to Tom Dale. Uh, this is embarrassing because I, I also have a toy from the 90s, but it's a wooden spinning top because I thought this was the 1890s. So I will take my flat cap and get on my penny farthing and cycle off to meet Brandy, uh, the ex-cheerleader of the Pokemon champion on a quest to turn her father back into a human being from the Celio into which he was turned by an evil force. I'm not saying too much about that because I don't want to spoil it for people who are just jumping in here. And maybe want to go back to find out who that was. But on Brandy's team, she has Wimpy the Lopany, Gary the Skaroopy, Snorleone the Munchlax, Dr. Bunnelby PhD, Flower the Meltan, and Lightning McQueen the Carcoal. And I spin my spinning top to Stuart Clark. <laughs> Let's treat ourselves to our own form of nostalgia by looking back at what happened last time. Previously on Critical Ditto. I think Theo sends a confused ray at Shine. Her brain, already affected by the meteorite, suddenly switches to a different track. Medicham plunges straight down in a perfect singular drop, knocks Weavile in a sort of trajectory just across the room. Medicham themselves looks like they're processing something, some new language. Strong and smart. Brandy Inquisitor Rain steps onto the green crystal plinth. Scyther, remove this obstacle. Lightning McQueen, go! And as Scyther slashes down on one of their aerial aces, cuts Rain's breathing apparatus. This obstinate cruelty that seems to be taking over his mind. I've been sent down here to get rid of these horrific Pokemon and he's gonna throw an extreme ball at Lightning McQueen the car cult. Brandy's taking out the ruler sword and is gonna try and slice the extreme ball in two. Oh, a Scyther blade blocks your sword and the extreme ball connects with Lightning McQueen. Kenny, you spot Mac. Kenny bolts straight for the throne room. Mac is priming this Magnazone bomb. You can hear Columbo inside the ball, and Columbo's in horrible pain. He's in pain, Mac. I, I'm in over my head. I've just laid a bomb! Get rid of the bomb, and take me to Helsing. They'll, that'll go down well. Why would you be a suitable replacement for the bomb? Because I can do this. Kenny, you heal Columbo the Monferno. You're one of those, aren't you? Poker poets. I mean, I know I'm in danger, but what good am I if I'm just going to let my fears dictate my actions? Good luck. And he dashes out. Vampire Squad have been unleashed on the wild area beneath the core prison. 
the meteorite landscape is awash with battle and cries of panic. Hannah is herding Pokemon into one of the wells in the wild area, looking to shelter the terrified creatures from their assailants. Kenny, you are in the throne room of the wild area. A crudely constructed royal chamber with a blue crystal throne behind which King Thrush, the aged, human-looking Koma'o regent of this meteorite community, continues to cower in fear. You are looking down at a fizzing, unconscious magnazone primed to blast something unspeakable at any moment. Brandy, Inquisitor Rain of the Vampire Squad and his Scyther have just captured your Carcol Lightning McQueen in an extreme ball mid-battle, and, mind poisoned by the mysterious powers of the meteorite, turns to you with a weary obstinance. Finally, Theo and Medicham have defeated Shine's Weavile in thrilling combat. However, the confused ray that bamboozled Shine, preventing her from commanding her Weavile in battle, seems to be wearing off. Her unfettered delight seems to be mixing with her indelible cruelty, the billowing clouds of oxymoronic personality combining in her eyes to create something truly terrifying. If anything, the mysterious emotion-enhancing aspects of the meteorite seem to be now fueling Shine rather than incapacitating her. Shine glances at Hannah getting the Pokémon into the wells and spies Delch the Poliwhirl cowering near the Goomy Juice food stores. She grins a wicked smile. In a flash, the Chrome Extreme Ball is loosed at Delch the Poliwhirl, the unsuspecting Pokémon caught in the thick iron light as it clamps down around her. Shine retrieves the Extreme Ball and dashes towards the wells. That's it. Get in the well and stay hidden. We'll fend them off for as long as we- <laughs> Hannah is cut short by a fearsome water gun to the back of her head. She falls to the side of Well G, unconscious. Behind her, Delch the Poliwhirl stands, having just unleashed the jet from her swirling center. Pain, fear, and most acutely shame are cast across her dark black pupils. Don't. Please, don't make me hurt things again. Shine smirks. Her wild yellow hair seems even larger. A bird's nest sat atop a face of grotesquely exaggerated makeup and moonwhite skin. You are not a human, so you don't get that choice. Delch winces as Shine's voice rings, bouncing off the surrounding blue crystal and shimmering green pools. Now fill those wells with water. I'm just desperate to see how long those beauties cower in there when their lungs begin failing them. Theo, what do you do? Oh, my slow king. What do I do in this situation? So Shine is using Delch the Poliwhirl to try and flood Well G and the Pokemon sheltering inside. Theo looks at that situation and... <sighs> I'm trying to trying to think of how Theo would think in this situation, which is literally the point of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just to clarify, David, you are not David right now. You are playing a character. I'm very interested okay. to know, though, what David would do. Well, this is the fundamental difference because I'm a nice person. And in this situation, I would... Li- and also, I don't own any Pokemon. So in this situation, I would just like... <laughs> rugby tackle shine to the floor but that's not necessarily what theo would do because as we established last episode theo's immediate response to seeing team helsing here in the first place was to try and protect kenny technically we are not here to help these pokemon these pokemon are incidental to the significantly larger plan that we have at hand and also kenny is at far greater risk here than anything else also can't see Kenny because Kenny is not visibly in a room. No. Kenny is tucked away inside the throne room. I think Theo just thinks we need to regroup. I think that Theo is like, I'm not going to take this on on my own. Every time I take things on on my own, whether it's Warden Vipen, whether it's anybody else except for small children, which has tended to work quite well for Theo in the past, <laughs> rushing in where angels would fear to tread has not boded well for this team at any point in this previous excursion. And I think that Theo scans the room and sees Brandy and just goes... I'm going to go over to her and see if we can try and end whatever she's dealing with so that we can try and all concentrate our forces. I need Brandy support in doing this. You need Brandy. Well, that's... No, let's... Okay, so let's just... um, Let's delete that sentence from what we've said. Um, Theo has no other options except for Brandy. And so I think Theo runs to her. I think just as you do that, Theo, you hear a voice that seems so weirdly familiar to you and yet also brand new. And it's the voice of Medicham who's only just learning to speak. Medicham is struggling with these words, but this power is now in them and calls you back. It's the first time you've ever heard Medicham say your name. 
Theo. And Medicham is stood there, pointing towards the Pokemon. Their lives in danger. I... And it's looking like Medicham is struggling to explain how they feel. Do you remember there was that scene where Medicham was wearing the church robes mm. back on the ship mm -hmm. when you were learning how to pretend to be church people? David, I think Medicham has kept an element of that garment. What, what small effect has Medicham kept of this clothing? Did we establish there's some sort of pendant of the King's Rock? Yeah. Medicham's wearing one of those. So it's very small, but for Medicham, this is huge because it's a piece of human clothing. There's always been something about Medicham that has loved studying with you, Theo, has loved being part of your human existence. And in that moment, Medicham clutches the pendant and looks over towards Delch the Polywell and the other Pokemon and questions to you, Theo. Incidental, yes, but still worthy of at least one of our attention. I think Theo hears this. Theo gets it. Theo has seen what happens when people who you once associated with are attacked and you are left to be the survivor. I mean, that's what happened at the church tower. Maybe it's almost like Medicham is looking at you with that same look. If you remember End of Frenzy mm. Plant, where you were kind of like, look, if you want to go, Medicham, you go. But if you come with me, trust me. And Medicham's giving you the same look, but from the reverse. Yeah. Theo gets it. And Theo also knows that Theo owes Medicham quite a lot of debts at this stage in the game. More than can even really be put into words. If Medicham wants to take on Shine, then Medicham wants to take on Shine and Theo's coming with. And so I think Theo offers a hand to Medicham and says, if one of us goes, both of us goes. I wanted to offer that as a character choice moment, but I don't want to feel like I'm taking away Theo's agency by saying, I think you should go fight Shine. <laughs> Stu's written another vignette. <laughs> See, I've got, I've got six more pages, David. As you take a step towards Shine, you, uh, you activate her trap card. <laughs> but I think that what you've done there, Stu, is the right thing to do because you allowed Theo to make the choice that Theo would make, which is probably to not go after Shine because Theo is not that altruistic. But actually, there is a factor at play here that means that Theo would go after Shine, which is Medicham, and Medicham is just as important a okay. player here. Cool. Okay, we shall we shall follow up on that after we cut back from Brandy. Brandy sees Theo coming towards her, like, "Oh, thank God, Theo's going to come!" And, and then sees Theo just turn around. <laughs> oh, oh, I see how it is. All right. Okay. Yeah, by myself. Fine. Fine. Inquisitor Rain seems to have kind of. Um, oh God, what's the word? Give back Carcol? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Inquisitor Rain seems to have regained some of their faculties. They've torn the leaking tubaloid off their mask and has rerouted it through another tubaloid. They're still feeling the effects of the meteorite, but they're just trying to re remain calm in this moment. And they turn to you, Brandy, and again, it's not the cruelty of Shine. It's just this, like, I have a job that needs to be done here and you are standing in the way. I'd rather not be fighting you right now. Rain is holding this chrome extreme ball. The light has just closed around Lightning McQueen and Rain turns to you, Brandy. Listen, I have something to do down here and you will not stand in my way. And if the best way to do that is to use your own Pokemon against you, then I will do that. And he releases Lightning McQueen the Carcoal. And Brandy, you see Lightning McQueen and it's this poor Pokemon who was seemingly fine before it went into the extreme ball, looks battered. It looks weakened. Not like it's had HP drained or anything, just that it's had some kind of weird mental, physical assault to force its bidding. Poor Lightning McQueen is just under the thrall of this extreme ball and of rain, and is revving at Brandy with this really sad, horrible look in its eyes. Scyther as well is rounded on the side, sharpening blades against its own arm. Do the smart thing. Step aside, 
and let me do what needs to be done. This world is poisoned, and people like me are trying to cure it. Please, don't make me do anything awful. Say I was to step aside. Yes? What are you just trying to do? Just trying to catch all these Pokemon down here. That's it. Why? Oh, that sounds like a read. Read yeah, someone? What's I'm trying to the move? Behind the substitute? Or... Behind the substitute. Great. Okay. Lure Rain into telling me their dastardly plan. Hmm. Okay, you great. You me manalying. <laughs> exactly, exactly what I want. So, Brandy, please roll plus charm. Hey, hey four plus five plus one equals ten. Oh, lovely. I've full success there. So you get two questions. Is your character telling the truth? What's your character really feeling? What does your character intend to do? What does your character wish I would do? And how could I get your character to blink? Brandy's going to try and ask, what is Rain really feeling? Okay, I would say that the vibe the vibe that you're getting from this very, very successful behind the substitute role is that Rain is is an incredibly firm believer in the Helsing Doctrine, which is that Rain sees these hybrids as a threat, and that the world order that has been established, which is that humans use Pokemon, and the Pokemon respond to that, uh, ev- everything was fine. Everything worked completely normally. And these hybrids now have started creating dangers. So definitely, definitely believes in the greater good of what they're doing. Yes, a hundred percent. Necessarily likes what they're doing, like Shine. I think Rain is just very efficient at what they do. Very efficient at using Mac was the way to get into here. That was the most efficient way of doing this. They're very good at what they do, and they believe in what they do. But they're not. They're not in it for the pleasure of pain, as maybe someone like Shine is. Okay, my follow-up question: How can Brandy get Rain to back off of this area? When you say back off this area, what do you mean? Kind of go into retreat, I suppose. Without the Pokemon? Without the Pokemon, yeah. I think probably the only way to get Rain to stop their current mission would be to give them a sort of higher profile target. So they're down here experimenting with these weird Pokemon who think they're humans and trying to clear up here and catch them. But if there was some kind of high profile, dangerous poker power down here possibly with a lilting Irish accent that might interest <laughs> Team Helsing. Maybe sort of giving giving up that position or giving up that person would be enough to get them to get get out of Dodge, get out of here for now. I don't know if that's the answer you wanted to hear. No, no, that's great because Brandy can 100% give up Kenny to Reign and be solved, I guess. And they're brilliant. <laughs> problem, problem, Ooh, problem. I thought it was going to be a difficult nah. solution. No, 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 no. But just handing over Kenny, well, pff, do that every day. From across the world over Tom, Tallahassee Bindworth catches your eye and raises an eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> Rain speaks to you, right? Why? Why are you fighting anyway? Why are you trying to stop us? Why am I trying to stop you? Because these Pokemon have done nothing to you. They're just living their lives down here and enjoying the crazy powers. These are prisoners in a prison. This is not some joyful park. So you arrest Pokemon up there now? I thought you only arrested people and these are the pokemon that were associated with those yes people. well the people the people are obviously superior and these pokemon were accessories to those crimes because a pokemon serves a human that's how it works why why are you why are you even down here you're a human you shouldn't even be here oh you're trying to get me to reveal my plan oh i see you're now we roles are reversed i'm not a member of an evil team i don't i don't need to monologue to reveal my plan my very good plan which we totally have <laughs> By the I way. have a Scyther, <laughs> and I also have your Karkol very much under my control. So I think I do hold the cards in this particular exchange. Well, I'm going to prove to you right now, Rain, that the bond between Pokemon and the powers that Pokemon have can surpass what your tiny mind think that they're capable of. Here we go. Go! Dr. Bunnelby, PhD! Oh my god. Oh no. Bunnelby? Bunnelby. Dr. Bunnelby, <laughs> thanks for joining us. What is this? What are you what are you doing? Rain, it's time for your therapy session.
Kenny, you're in the throne room. You're staring down at this fizzing, buzzing Magnazone. Uh, the Magnazone itself is unconscious or asleep, but it's clearly primed. And there's some weird access panel on the side of it, which Mac, the Blitzelball champion who you had an interaction with the last episode, gave you some scrumpled notes of how he was told to insert whatever he had to insert into it. It's, it's fizzing. It's smoking. What do you do? I read these notes. What what do they tell me to do? There's this external bit, which is entirely not part of the Magnazone, which has been fused with the creature, which is where this strange incision into the Magnazone has occurred. And it's got the Helsing crossbow logo on it. The notes, obviously these were Max notes, so it's in a certain order, but it basically involves him inserting some kind of TM payload into the Magnazone via this hatch and then it was on a self-timer from that point on. You can infer from that, Kenny, I would say that whatever you'd need to do would involve this panel and maybe getting inside the the Magnazone wiring. Kenny looks at this and thinks, I am so ill-equipped to deal with this, but <laughs> I think I might have a little person or a little something with me that can help me in this situation. Come on out, fleek! And Kenny sends out Joltik. The teeny tiny little electric Pokemon. Do you have Fleek with you on your team? I have Fleek on my team. Yes. Possibly their first uh, outing since captured. <laughs> oh. Right, Kenny spends five minutes gushing over how cute Joltik is. My word. <laughs> oh, adorable. Magnazone's fizzing is getting so much worse. A battle Very rages bad. on outside, and Kenny tries on a little a little top hat, a little cane. <laughs> Oh my god, no, we had some really important business to attend to. Fleek, we'll have to put away the song and dance for later, but this poor Pokemon here is in trouble and I don't know electronics and stuff and I don't know Pokemon anywhere near as well as you can. But I think with your intuition and instincts as to what's good for both Pokemon and electric types and my... We'll do really well together. (laughs) Okay, so are you just sort of letting Joltik do their thing? Kind of, yeah. There's like a little sort of hatch that Joltik can can squeeze into. I almost see it yep. like there's like a red wire and a blue wire and Joltik, they might be able to diffuse the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see where the dice fall. I'm going to say roll plus speed for Joltik. Yeah. I guess it's like creating an advantage. Dare I ask, you? do I get any sort of bonus for it being an electric type? <laughs> Oh, Ali, yeah, you get the plus four bonus. No. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you get that. I don't think so, just because it's not like a, an electric thing. Great. Well, I guess I'm rolling 2d6 plus one then for speed. Here we go. Oh, oh. oh no. Oh, dear. That's a one and a four plus a one. That's a six. Kenny, Joltik goes into the little slot, but the poor little ticky creature is unaware of their own static in this moment. And before they've even reached any wiring or anything like that, this little discharge comes out of its body and spreads over the Magnazone. And actually, rather than diffusing anything, it wakes the Magnazone up. But it wakes it up with red eyes, as if this Magnazone has activated some self-defense mechanism where if it is unconscious and if it feels like it's being attacked, it will activate this sentry mode and attack whoever's coming at it. And that big red eye, Kenny, is trained entirely on you. It's charging a thunderbolt between those two screws, Kenny, directly at you. What do you do? Oh, um, Fleek, um, Electroweb, jam it up from the inside. I like the flavour of it. Roll plus special for me, please, for Joltik. That is also a plus one. Oh, that is so much better. That is a six and a three and a one. That is a ten. So Kenny's not going to take any damage, which is great. Neither is Fleek. And Fleek is going to do a little bit of damage to the Magnazone. Not a huge amount, I would imagine. So you're a stage one. Magnazone is a stage three. So that's, that's minus two. So you're on minus one and it is not very effective. So it's on a minus two. So roll your D4. <laughs> oh, come on, D4. Come on, D4. You're going to heal the Magnazone. That's a one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a minus one. So... You heal the Magnazone. <laughs> okay, so you don't do any damage. But this was never intended to do damage. No. 
This was, if, if anything, I could, this could have been a string shot. Absolutely. So it's almost like Fleek internally maybe twists the Magnazone or one of the screws on the top of the Magnazone so that the Thunderbolt goes off course and yeah. hits some of the rocks of the throne room instead. <laughs> yes. Maybe it hits near the throne and you hear Thrush like, oh, oh, oh no, carrying behind this blue crystal throne. Which is going to make Kenny go, Thrush, please, I need your help. There must be something you can do to help me. I, I can't. I'm useless. I'm a useless ruler. I'm a useless creature. There's nothing I can possibly do. I once thought that about myself, but I'm really powerful. I'm a captain of a ship. You're the captain of this ship. I consulted my Pokedex. You are really powerful. They call you a pseudo-legendary at this some part of the world called Alola. But in here, you're my actual legendary because you're going to help me. Okay, roll plus charm. It's a three and a three plus a two, so it's an eight. Mixed success. He will help, but he doesn't know any Pokemon moves any, anymore, so he just starts slapping at the Magnazone. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe King Thrush is convinced by your words, but as we say, he's been down here so long that he has forgotten exactly how to do his Pokemon moves, and he gets out his scepter, his stupid blue crystal scepter, which he's been clutching since the start of the arc, this useless representation of his failed leadership and it glows bright blue in the light of the thunderbolt has set off a little fire in the throne room and he reflects the light of the fire and almost like jeff goldblum in jurassic park gets the flare and starts to distract the magnazone and take the attention off you kenny and off fleek basically just taunting the magnazone like i come here Come here, you, you you stupid metallic husky beast. Stay out of my wild area. Can King Thrush be saying the moves rather than doing them? They remember the name, so it's like, Dragon Breath. Ha! Oh, no, that's one. Okay. Dragon Claw. Oh, no. Brick Break? Is that, is that one? That doesn't sound like one, but maybe that's one. I'll throw a brick at it. it ah! Ah! It's not, Kenny, it's not working. Kenny! Kenny, help! Just yells close combat and just stands really close to the Magnazone. <laughs> <laughs> Stares right into its three eyes. So, King Thrush is doing his very, very best to distract the Magnazone, Kenny. How do you make use of this opportunity? There's probably a way that Kenny can help Fleek. Maybe Kenny can try to give Joltik a bit of advice from the sidelines. Maybe there's a bit of electrical equipment that his, his mum or his dad used on the farm that one day malfunctioned. Kenny ducks for cover under some rubble and goes, Fleek, just, I don't know, turn it on and off again. That worked on the farm every time. It worked on my Pokedex. It worked on Brandy's Pokedex. Brandy's Pokedex is lovely now. So just to make, maybe make this slightly different, Ali, maybe this is, this is a Kenny roll rather than a Fleek roll. Kenny, this is this is you using your your Kenny smarts as best you possibly can. So this is a sharp roll for Kenny. I do have weird insight, which literally says when you would roll plus sharp, roll plus weird instead. So then you roll plus weird, Kenny. If that's the move you've got. All right, that's a plus two then for for this roll. That is a four and a three plus a two, so it's a nine. Kenny, Fleek the Joltic is skittering and scuttering across the surface of Magnazone and eventually finds a tiny pin reset button in the top of the Magnazone. Uh, just big enough for a little joltic claw to just go and punch it down. So as the button goes, the red eye starts to close, but because this magnetism was in the process of firing an attack at King Thrush, this discharge that it was about to release does need somewhere to ground, and it goes out across. Fleek is thrown backwards. Fleek! And takes, takes a point of harm as it flies back towards you, Kenny king thrush as well it looks like that discharge is going to hit fleek full on like knock that poor joltic out but you see that actually most of the discharge gets channeled down king thrush's scepter which he's holding out if this is how i help this is how i help and he's just getting shocked and shocked but he's taking the majority of the blast sucking it in defending you and fleek kenny and eventually the magnazone resets and it seems to not be smoking anymore but I'll tell you what is smoking. It's King Thrush. And falls to the floor. I see my lightning rod ability is still intact. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that Pokemon? Okay, welcome to NASA training school. So excited. Today, all of you beautiful folks are going to learn how to uh, introduce the midsection properly because when you're in the 
air in space, mm-hmm. one of the important things you'll need to do is do a midsection. First question, what is the difference between air and space? That's very good. I also want to ask that. Okay, well, okay. New, new thing is that there is no difference. That's a wow. thing you've got to unlearn from school. That's new. No difference. There is air in space. It's called being on air, as we are now. <laughs> this, is, so, this, is, this is live. <laughs> And we're live from the International Space Station. <laughs> this started very much as me leading a training session. It's become very much a everyone diving in on me, the instructor. So I'm just going to open a midsection right now and pretend like, you know, you guys are still my students. Here we go. This midsection is from Bradley Napier. Thanks, Bradley. Hi, Critical Ditto. I love your podcast! Exclamation mark. We love your listening skills. My idea is for a new gym leader. Hello, Bradley. His name is Michael. And a fighting type gym leader. <laughs> That's right, Michael, the fighting type gym leader. Everyone. He is an extremely strong boxer and kickboxer. So just before you thought, ah, oh, well, he's good with his hands, but I'll get him on the legs. Nope, kickboxer as well. Interesting. Get him on the legs. <laughs> Tom, you're as good at teaching boxing <laughs> as you are teaching astronauts. Does no one think that about boxers? What what would they do if you went for their legs? I, I'd say nothing. Some people say he's knocked out a Hitmonchan in one punch. His team is Hitmonchan and Hitmonlee. <laughs> some, some people think that that Michael has knocked out his own Hitmonchan, <laughs> which I would say is very much Pokemon abuse. But thank you, Bradley. The rest is up to us. So the team, why Michael's involved in the podcast. So here's the thing. Is Michael a gym leader? Possibly not. Does Michael think... He's a gym leader. Does Michael invent a lot of things in Michael's head? Like the fact that he knocked out a Hitmonchan and tells a lot of people about the fact. Whether it happened or not, I don't know. Has he created a mystique? Is he that guy who knocked out a Hitmonchan? Maybe he tours fairs and knocks out another man dressed as a Hitmonchan. <laughs> Come to the show. Watch me knock out a Hitmonchan. And he has, a, he has an associate called... Jackie. He has an associate called Jackie who dresses up as a Hitmonchan and gets punched out by Michael Jackie, every night. Jackie Hitmonchan, right? What? Yeah. Jackie Hitmonchan. I just felt like the joke wasn't being registered by anyone. And nope. that's fair enough, because usually you don't laugh at my jokes, but then at least I know that they've been registered and rejected. But this felt like it just wasn't even on the radar. Here's the gag of the season there, Tom. Is it a joke if that is the actual pun in the Pokemon's <laughs> name? Like, it's not like you just came up with a Jackie Chan yeah. pun. It's it's actually Hitmon Jackie Chan. So it's, what you did was you exploded a pun and just made it literal. <laughs> I feel like it's a very combative midsection, which is very appropriate for this fighting type possible gym leader. Has Michael ever participated in the underground MMA? Oh, well, the rest of Michael's team was up for us to to pick maybe Michael and that Machamp. Rock the Dwayne Johnson. (gasps) Yes. Pokemon on human battling is a thing in Formia. We've got this underground dark cage match stuff going on. I think Michael is very much involved in the Pyrenile MMA scene. And actually, that's the way that Michael built his team up. If he knocked a Pokemon out in one punch, they respected him to the point where they would then join his Pokemon team. So he's obviously managed to knock out this Hitmonchan and Hitmonlee. What's the secret then? How is Michael knocking out these Pokemon in one punch? Because I think he's got a secret. I don't want to default to poker powers every time that we uh, talk about somebody with supernatural gifts, but I mean, I'll throw it out there. Maybe Michael's poker power is one of the one-hit KO moves. Mm. So it's like Fisher or something like that, which he just channels. My question, is Michael the only gym leader in the Formian region who goes up against Pokemon with Hitmonchan and Hitmonlee giving him instructions from the side. (laughs) Well, like, he's their Pokemon. Exactly. Exactly, (laughs) Ali. It feels like the Saffron City gym. Yeah, big time. Where it's not not an official gym. He calls it a gym. It's one of them fake gyms. (gasps) The fake gyms? Oh, yes, of course. Never forgot them, Stu. Never forgot them. (laughs) We're still waiting for the payoffs, Stu. We're still (laughs) waiting for the old... It's it's incremental, Tom, but it's bits like this that you've got to savour because this is where it's coming. So this is a bit of a reversal gym where Michael himself will fight the Pokemon with his potentially fighting-type poker powers, coached, if you will, by... Jackie Hitmonchan and Bruce Hitmonlee. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Ali, that's good. Ali, that's really funny. Thanks, man. Oh, Ali, that was inspired. Absolutely oh, inspired. Oh my god, well, like, 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 like Bruce. Do you guys get it? Like Bruce Lee. Yeah, Mate, Tom, you wouldn't so get it. Good. Tom, why aren't you laughing? That was the funniest joke <laughs> I've ever heard on this podcast. I'm outraged. Okay, so if if I also had a character, Tom, that liked punching Pokemon, 
and I want to submit it to Critical Ditto, how would I do that? Uh, you'd have to laugh at the joke Jackie Hitmonchan first. And if uh-huh. you did laugh at that, you can then email your character to our email address, criticalditto at gmail.com, where you will join the queue in which we will read them out in this midsection and probably destroy them as we did Bradley's. But Bradley, I hope you enjoyed that midsection. If you wanted to skip the queue, um, you could sign up to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash critical ditto, where if you signed up for our Pokemon champion tier, you will get an immediate spot at the top of the queue for the midsection. But back to the real matter at hand. You're in space, and you've just oh, done a midsection. I thought we were just being trained. Oh no, we're, we've got, we're actually there. Well, I don't feel ready. Does anyone else feel not ready in any way? Don't feel ready. Tom opens the airlock. <laughs> oh, it's not air! It's not real air! Who's that Pokemon? It's Joltik. Theo. You and Meditite are heading towards Shine and Well G, and you see Shine now just holding Delch the Poliwhirl on top of the well, squeezing water out of this poor Poliwhirl. <laughs> like an accordion. <laughs> <laughs> like a bloated aquatic accordion. It's really tragic, guys. So tragic. That's really disgusting. <laughs> oh. Really awful. Poliwhirl, Poliwhirl, Poliwhirl. Theo, so what are you and Medicham doing? Oh, I think Theo and Medicham are sort of surveying the scene before going. So Theo is watching this scene and Theo is overtaken with a weird kind of, I'm going to use the word guilt, that Theo is immediately reminded of that moment on top of the Team Nautilus ship when Theo was literally about to stab a woman and is suddenly like, I'm here again. I am here, presented with a situation where I cannot fathom how violence is not the answer to save people's lives. But I know that was the wrong course of action, but what do I do? what Theo wants to do is, I guess, check a place out, first of all, because I think Theo needs some information on this scene. I'm going to say, rather than check a place, I think this is read a bad situation. I love that. Please roll plus... Sharp. Um, I'll put the questions in, and if we like okay. them, we'll go with these. What's my best way in? What's my best way out? Are there da- any dangers we haven't noticed? What's the biggest threat? What's most vulnerable to me? What's the best way to protect the victims? I just want you to ask what the what's the biggest threat, and then Stu has to say the Polywell Accordion. <laughs> <laughs> <the biggest threat. laughs> Okay, please roll plus sharp. I will, so 2d6 plus 3. Ooh, Ooh scrape just... through. That was a 1 and a 5 plus a 3 for a 9. So you get one question. Uh, you'll be shocked, Stu, to learn that my question is, what's the best way to protect the victims? Great question. Okay, what what is the best way to protect the victims? There's a dual answer to this question. It's either to somehow stop Shine and remove Delch the Polywell from the equation. Mm-hmm. Shine on her own, is mm-hmm. she hasn't got a Weavile anymore. Or maybe is there some scientific thing that Theo's aware of to do with wells where you know that there's probably some drainage system? Maybe you know that because there's a series of wells around here, there's wells A through F, G, H, (laughs) alphabet. Because there's a series of them, you know there should be some central drainage area, maybe one of the green shimmering pools. So you mentioned, obviously, when uh, Team Vampire arrived, that they had apparatus for breathing. Was there an apparatus for the Extreme Balls, or are the Extreme Balls just on her person? They're just on her person, yeah. Cool. Are they visible to me? Can I see where they are? Are they finite? Uh, yeah, sure. For Theo, the one thing that is a complete variable here, and also that absolutely terrifies Theo, are the Extreme Balls. If these Pokémon come back up from the water, and there are no Extreme Balls, there is actually no risk being presented to these Pokemon. Like, we are removing either the rock or the hard place by removing the extreme balls. Yeah, I mean, there are some Tim poles down there just like, I don't know what the big fuss is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All of the Pokemon in the well are water types. Have we not mentioned that? <laughs> so I think that Theo's conclusion is, I just need those extreme balls. The extreme balls are the problem. I am going to take them. And then I have the true variable in this situation in my possession. So Theo is going to send Kabuto to try and snag the belt of um, Extreme Balls. Cabbage the Kabuto is coming out. Yeah. That's clever, David. It's good tactics. Any reason you want to use Cabbage? So my reason for using Cabbage is small, speedy, like boop, 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 boop. That's, that's a visual okay. move that I was doing for listeners <laughs> where I, uh, I was sort of moving my hand like a very incompetent remorade. But... Um, <laughs> So yeah, I think Kabuto is the best for a quick reconnaissance mission in. I think this is a speed roll for Kabuto then. It's got a plus one for speed, so I guess that's okay. that's not okay. awful. An eight, mixed success. Okay. I'd like to stress the word success in that mixed success. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> you were attempting in this move to recover the extreme yes. balls, is that yes. correct? Okay, well then that is what is going to occur. We just need to work out what the cost is. 
Cabbage Kabuto is exactly as speedy and as stealthy as you describe, as Cabbage is scuttling along on those little clawed feet across the meteorite surface before Shine has even realised is up her leg and those little clawy pincers snap the belt of chrome extreme balls that are around Shine's waist and dashes back towards you. Shine obviously realises something is wrong and turns with Delch the Polywhirl back towards to see this little Kabuto skittering away with the, with the extreme balls towards you, Theo, and fires one water jet blast at Kabuto for some neutral damage, I guess, but you are going to take... I'm just going to roll a d4. One. You're going to... Okay, so Cabbage to Kabuto just takes one little harm. Kabuto takes this watery blast, but still skitters towards you, Theo, extreme balls in hands, and puts them into your hands, Theo. But Shine's attention is now very much on you. Oh, who's this? Another human down here. <laughs> My mind wasn't quite what it was. I was just conducting a little experiment down here in the well. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, a woman of science, I suppose. Listen, you can try and seduce me all you want, you brazen hussy. <laughs> you can try and use your sexy language all you want, but I've got a nearly dead weavile over there that knows exactly how I feel about you. So why don't you just put the polywell down? You did that. No, interesting. I like what you did there. The crushing, the re- absolute destruction. You have a naughty violence streak, don't you, that you don't like to tell anyone about. It's okay. You can admit it to me. Oh, you don't have to worry. I've admitted it to plenty of people. Medicham, go. Shine is, again, using the power of the Extreme Ball to force poor Delch the Polywell into Pokemon subjugation battle, and she is going to attempt to hit Medicham with a an ice punch. That's in Delch's okay. locker. Fun. Delch, yeah. nice. Theo and Medicham, how do, you, how do you respond to this incoming icy assault? I'm going to say that Theo knows that Delch doesn't want to do this. This is not Delch's decision. And I think Theo doesn't have any interest in hurting this Pokemon more than they have to be hurt. Theo's going to tell Medicham to attack Shine. Great, so you're going to kind of like dodge past the Ice Punch and go direct for Shine. I think they are going to say, Medicham, you know who the real threat is. Confusion on her. Oh, I love this. Roll, kick some Frostlass for Medicham plus special. Okay, Medicham's special is one because Medicham has no stats in any field <laughs> at all. Ah, Medicham. Okay, 2d6 plus one. Oh. <sighs> oh, that is bad. That is a one plus a two plus a one. But at the same time, hello, level six. Yay! Okay, congrats. It. We shall we'll resolve that next episode, but this fail. Oh, guys, um, Theo, as per your command, Medicham dances lightly on their feet using the power of their legs and their slight levitating ability to dodge past Delch the Polywell and moves out of the way of this icy punch the icy glassy crystals just moving past Medicham's face and as Medicham turns and focuses on Shine prepares this psychic confusion ray and it emerges out of their forehead waving this purple pink energy towards Shine Oh, really? You thought it would be that easy? You really don't understand the kind of powers we're playing with here, do you? And she twists the extreme ball backwards. And it's it's, it's almost like the power increases on the extreme ball. And it's almost like Delch loses any kind of autonomy at all. And it's just this marionette robotic figure and just jumps in front of the confusion psychic energy and takes it full blast. Like... Just spasming in the air and then collapses down, completely unconscious and a lot of pain. Theo is is just completely horrified by the situation because I well, mean Theo is now holding all of these things. Yeah, I think Theo just looks at this belt of these extreme balls and is like, these were being marketed to people in the Pokemon League. Like these were these were just available to people to buy. And I think Theo just looks at Shine. Tell me what these things are now. They're beautiful, aren't they?
and I think we'll cut back to Brandy versus Rain. <laughs> you think you've got your fancy little chrome ball over there? I don't believe it's got any power whatsoever, so here we go. <laughs> so Brandy, you have released Dr. Bunnelby, PhD, into this small battle arena in front of the Green Rock Forum where the debate was about to be taking place. Rain is on the pedestal, Carcoal is wheeling around Dr. Bunnelby, the Scyther as well is circling menacingly. What's your plan here, Brandy? What are you doing? Brandy's decided that Rain, from her behind the substitute question, she knows that Rain believes Pokemon to be well below human capabilities. And Brandy has this sort of sense that Bunnelby has such a way with therapy and their ability to get through to Pokemon and people alike that Bunnelby is actually a great example of a Pokemon that transcends just the normal Pokemon mould and actually has developed a human vocation in a way, has, has dedicated themselves to the study of the mind. So Brandy wants to prove to Rain that Pokemon can be more than just what they think. So Brandy is going to say to Bunnelby, Bunnelby, therapize Lightning McQueen! And is <laughs> going to try and mind therapy Lightning McQueen into not obeying the extreme ball oh my you know, god break the whole the extreme the ball extreme that we've ball. just seen do that too okay well, <laughs> hasn't seen it. it's gonna Brandy be a good role i'd like the dramatic irony i i sort of imagine carcoll's mind all abuzz and you can see it's in pain oh yeah it's worried all oh, the yeah. concern it has this weird mix of i don't want to hurt brandy but i also really want to hurt my trainer brandy there's like this this mm. was suddenly at war with itself and um, so bunnelby and i've invented a move for bunnelby oh. which we can reject right now <laughs> It's called Calm Mind, but it's a normal type move, and it's just Bunnelby trying to calm down, <laughs> calm down, Carcoll. That's okay, it. Okay. It's not in any way psychic. Yeah, they've psychic. also got they've also got Mind Reader, but it's not a psychic move. It's just like years of research. <laughs> David, I would, I would, David, do we think that Doctor Bunnelby is starting to develop <laughs> that little bit of human speech that we've always wished we could hear? Oh my word, I believe so. I believe okay. I can hear it whispering on the oh, wind. Oh, there it is. I always feel like Dr. Bunnelby takes to human speech quicker because they've been doing They already have a voice humans. actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They already have a paid voice actor. <laughs> Sadly, they couldn't. Wait, be I'm being do with David. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> For the purposes of this, I create an advantage move as I'm not attempting yeah. to. Okay, seems fair. So I'm using, rather than Bunnelby's zero attack or zero special, I'm using Bunnelby's plus one speed. And you said she wasn't a battle Pokemon. <laughs> and and <laughs> well, if this goes wrong, I'm sure she'll be able to tank whatever Carcoll comes at her with, with uh, a plus two armour. So, <laughs> <laughs> bear in mind, oh, really? bear in mind, I've increased that armour by one. <laughs> I've, actually, I've actually spent a point. You might call me crazy, but I thought, you know what? On the off chance, the off chance, a D4 rolls a one, and somehow I'm in a situation where she only takes one damage. That oh. could be useful. Man, Brandy's team is not looking great. We've got Lopany on a bed somewhere with a trap inch attached to it. We've got Karkol <laughs> captured by an extreme ball. And Brandy well. forgets she has Gary, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Complete mind blank. Okay, it's a five plus a one. Oof. Plus a one. Oh Ooh, my god! Scrapes it, mate. So there's almost there's almost a uh, a hush over the battlefield as this small Bunnelby is released. Brandy and Bunnelby share an understanding and maybe a whisper conversation. Rain is unwilling to entertain the charade for for very long. So orders Carcol and Scyther to advance. The screams and everything from the meteorite area just just dull for a second as Bunnelby approaches Carcol and this speech that they've been developing starts to to come out looking at Lightning McQueen. Car Carcoll is in so much pain. As we said, we can see these two sides fighting against each other. What does Dr. Bunnelby say? You were always close with your family, weren't you, Lightning? And the only family you have down here is us. You know what to do. In Crystal Rain, it's like, ignore this nonsense and remove the barrier that stands before us. Carcoll, flame charge that Bunnelby and prove to this girl that she should not be standing in our way. As soon as he said the command, Karkov charges. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Bunnelby walks back up to Brandy. Bunnelby stands in front of Brandy and just stands there as Karkov is charging towards <laughs> both of them. Bunnelby's like, don't move. Don't move. Trust me. And Karkov <laughs> is coming closer and closer. The flames and the coals are heating up as this fiery car is just barreling towards you. And That's Bunnelby... a bad idea, Bunnelby. Bunnelby. Move in the process. 
Bunnelby is totally still and calm, and there is this moment, and you see it, Brandy, this moment of lucidity is the eyes of Carcoal, which I feel like one when you're under the influence of the Extreme Ball, the eyes are slightly different, they're slightly more slanted, they just return to the Carcoal wider eyes that you are more familiar with for Lightning McQueen, the car that loves speed, and it's almost like he hits a handbrake in that moment, and the car skids and does a small donut, and the flame charge actually careens into the Scyther, who's been to the side of you, slowly circling. And both Carcoal and Scyther crash into some of these blue crystal rocks in this flamey inferno. There's smoke coming out from this crystal. Oh my god, Dr. Bunnelby, never do that to me again. What That'll you- be three per diem points. Oh. <laughs> Rain sees this crash occur and sees the car coal turn and smash into their scyther, presumably incapacitating the scyther. And Rain has a moment, a similar moment of lucidity as to what Carcoll just experienced and realises, okay, this right now, pursuing this, is not worth it. Returns Scyther in their regular ball. And also returns Carcoll to the extreme ball. Looks to you, Brandy, and sees the determination, the, the craziness, the unpredictability. Sees okay. a woman shouting at a rabbit about money. And it's like, <laughs> this is... I can't predict the next move this woman will make, so I need to I <laughs> no. need to ensure the fact that she's not going to try and impair me if I try and uh, try and make a tactical retreat here. So shouts over to you, Brandy. This down here is not what I expected, and we need time to regroup. You can try and follow us if you want, or you can look after your beloved Pokemon and throws the extreme ball as far as Rain can muster towards... The, basically the opposite direction to wherever Rain wants to go, towards the houses and the rock houses where Lopany is being cared for by the medical trap inch and starts to dash away. Brandy, Let's what do you do? Do roll 2d6, please? Okay, uh, I, I got 100, Ali. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what a roll! Yeah. Rain's actually a plus 98 because Rain rolled a double one. So what do you do, Brandy? Do you go after Rain or do you go after your, your Pokemon? From that exchange with Rain, she gets the impression, measure that Rain is quite an intelligent person but very much like doing the job quite dangerous in that way but also that maybe she she feels like she's on the back foot Wimpy is not around they're still being tended to Carcoles in the extreme ball Skaroopy she can't really trust at the moment in a Pokemon battle it's just Dr. Bunnelby she's kind of bluffed she's won the bluffing game so I think she's just going to capitalise on this win and do the smart thing rather than the rash thing and decides that she's going to go after Carcoll because she's quite worried about what she saw anyway. She runs towards the houses. Before she shouts, though, yeah, regroup, fancy pants words for running away. So you're going after Carcoll to recover that, that chrome yeah. extreme ball. Okay, Brandy goes and starts digging in, in and amongst the rocks and the blue crystal stones of these houses to find this extreme ball, which she manages to recover. And you hold it in your hands, Brandy, and you can't hear anything from inside like Kenny did with Columba the Monferno, but you just get this sense. There's this energy and this weight, this heaviness to it, this dark feeling that fills your mind with just dread. Meanwhile, we cut back to Theo, and you've just asked this question about the Extreme Balls, Theo. Shine says, well, you're the, you're the one in possession of them now, aren't you? Why didn't you, why didn't you hold one? Just, just hold it in your hands, Theo. No, you, I don't know your name. <laughs> just... <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just guessing. I just get you. Look like a, you look like a Theo. Like Theo. Am I right? Am I wrong? I've used I'm my very human intuitive. Pokedex. <laughs> <laughs> just hold one in your hands. Theo is resistant, but takes one of the balls and feels the cold metal in their hand, and it sends a shiver down their arm. I'm someone who likes to push boundaries to see where the lines are, but those balls, they, they go farther than I ever could. They make Pokemon do things even I couldn't make my Pokemon do, and mine are very well trained. The level of control these balls allow, <laughs> it's enough to make you giddy. <laughs> but the most exciting thing, that's a secret, that's something that nobody even knows yet. These balls, they can... Child.
we're retreating. And just as she's about to reveal the secret, Rain gives her a shout. We need more manpower down here. And the pair of them head off towards the well that they managed to break into this wild area from, which they both go down now. Ali, which well was it? Uh, the escape well. Well E. Well E. Escape. E for escape. E of for course escape. it is. And both Rain and Shine disappear down the, the well. Well E, which apparently had been their secret, their secret way into this meteorite wild area. And we see them disappear. Theo is about to go chase after them, but Medicham again stops them and okay. gestures to the fact that there's still a well full of nearly drowned Pokemon. So maybe Shine just looks after you, Theo, and is like, see you again. Got a quip, David? Well, 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 well. <laughs> 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 There we go. Helsing's Vampire Squad defeated. Rain and Shine have run away and escaped down well. E, thank you very much to Albion, who came up with the character of Rain, and Scott, who came up with the character of Mac. Those are two listener NPCs that we've actually incorporated into the main storyline, which is unheard of. So thank you very much to the two of you. I'd like to take this opportunity to do our various thank yous so i'd like to thank michael sands the creator of monster of the week which we adapted to create pocket monster of the week um so thank you very much for that michael i'd love to thank glitch x city and braxton burks for the wonderful music in this episode and additional sounds by epidemic sounds thank you very much for letting us use your music and go check them out on youtube on spotify wherever you can they're all fantastic i'd like to thank satoshi tajiri and Jinichi masada for creating a little thing we like to call a pokemon that's how you say it right the pokemon thank you very much to you two uh let's go for a drink sometime you know really want to say thanks in that way but this is a reminder where i say we are a fan-made not-for-profit podcast and we have no affiliation to game freak the pokemon company or nintendo and I would like to, of course, thank our wonderful patrons who have wonderfully pledged support to the podcast um, every month through a donation. Darius Joukowsky, thank you so much. Pokerdash55, wonderful. DW Hollins, thank you so much. You know what, actually, DW, I want to say a special thank you to you. You know why. You're just a fantastic guy. Um, thank you. Uh, I'd like to thank Audrey. Thank you so much, Audrey. Ellie Lieberman. Thank you so much, Ellie. Jeremby. Thank you very much. No Audrey today. Sorry. Uh, Turtle Lover 2244. Thank you very much. I'd love to thank Carrie Morrison. Thank you so much, Carrie. I'd like to thank Atlas Moth. I'd like to thank Scott, who came up with Mac, if you remember. I'd like to thank Dr. Mega Man PhD. It's amazing someone with a PhD listens to this. I'd love to thank Hi Killy. Thank you, Hi Killy. I'd love to thank Big Fat Nuke. Thank you so much, Big Fat Nuke. Jonah Jackson of Postcards from Pearl fame. Thank you so much, Jonah. Trigula, a.k.a. Aurora, the King Paladin, Dad Paladin, Paladad. I'd like to thank Josh Anderson. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Alchemage. Thank you, Force Majeure. A great podcast. Do check them out. Thank you very much, GGT, GG. What can I say more than wee wee? Thank you. Yes, yes. Uh, thank you, Crandon Creations. Crandon, wonderful artwork. Thank you so much, as always. Eric Eikinger, thank you so much, Eric. Excellent. And you are a paladin as well now. Oh, my goodness, yes. Glaring, you're a paladin. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And thank you, Milamoy, or Milamoy. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Ginny, another paladin. My goodness, the paladins are out in force and I love it. Uh, and finally, thank you to Alastair Collinson. Thank you to all of you. If you would like to become a patron and receive a thank you at the end of the show, do sign up to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash critical ditto. Um, I think what's all that's left is for me to thank Stu, Ali and David for being excellent friends to play this with. And one more thing. Go catch them all. And by all, I mean your dreams.
I was actually really gutted that I'd gone for Victorian nineties. I was like, I just I, I should have gone with something actually nineties and tried to. Well, you've missed that chance. Now. I just never rolled the dice on like never. sitting here with my box set of the Sleepover Club or something. <laughs> <laughs> I so wish that I had predicted your move and gone for eighteen nineties first. So you had to start <laughs> while I was going. You had to start searching seventeen nineties. Just like oh. <laughs> just have to and do. I'm the Jane Austen character with a heart of gold. <laughs> Tom Dale. <laughs> I'm here in my bodice. Desperate for the attention of a man who hates me. If that don't sum up Brandy, I don't know what does. 